0: Our speaker this evening is Manny Peroscos. Born in Athens, Dr. Peroscos earned his doctorate at the University of Missouri School of Journalism and is currently a professor of journalism. Uh sorry, <laughs> currently a professor of journalism at Emerson College. He is the author of Media Law and Regulation in the European Union and is currently researching Boston's first Greek communities, who published America's first Greek newspaper in eighteen ninety-two. Dr. Carrasco nominated the City of Boston for the Historic Sites in Journalism Award, presented by the Society of Professional Journalists, which honored the city with a plaque designating Boston as the birthplace of American journalism in 2015, the 325th anniversary of the publication of the first American newspaper. This evening, Dr. Peroscos will trace the history of significant Boston journalism first, some of which are represented in our own special collections. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Manny Peroscos. Thank you. Thank you
1: and welcome. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, as a native Athenian, I feel at home. Finally, I'm in the same room as Sophocles on the left and Demosthenes on the right. So I figured you can't go wrong with this kind of company. So I uh, thank you for coming. And uh, this, this study started about eight years ago when uh, Sage, publisher, asked me to write the, a chapter for the Encyclopedia of Journalism and asked me to write a chapter of Boston. So I started finding out things that I knew some of, but not all of it. So I kept finding things out. And I said, well, we better do something with this. And before too long, uh, I started creating a, a map that included all these interesting publications. And I started putting them on the map, et cetera, et cetera. So before too long, it had become quite a, quite a map. So I put it online, and now he has thousands of of hits, a lot of people from all over the world are using it to trace the history of American journalism. Because it was in 1690 that uh, a Brit by by the name of Benjamin Harris, uh, who was a very loud anti-Catholic in London and was in and out of jail, he thought in 1686 he's headed with the with uh, England and he moved to the colonies to practice his journalism. He was a pamphleteer. And he comes here in 1690, uh, 1686, and starts at the corner of Washington and and, uh, State, uh, starts a little uh, bookstore and a coffee house, the London Coffee House. And uh, this is the... uh, the position here on the map, number one. And this is what's here today, that corner. And uh, I have made copies because I give these copies to my students as souvenirs for my class, which is uh, Introduction to Journalism, a lot of it has to do with history. So please take one and pass it on. Uh, This is a pretty exact replica of the first American newspaper. It is about 10% smaller than the original to fit in the uh, 8.5 by 11. But it was as difficult to read as this is, but it is legible. And uh, it was quite uh, a publication. Unfortunately, the Brits closed it down four days later because they thought it was going to cause them grief, and indeed, it did. So, in... uh, the uh, the whole business of journalism in America started with this little pamphlet, a newspaper. Please note that it has, and I asked my students to guess, why is the fourth page blank? It wasn't because I didn't have enough type. It wasn't because I didn't have enough news. It was because he wanted people to, pa- to write their own news and pass it to the neighbors next door. So I'm thinking, is that the first uh, blog <laughs> in American life? These guys were passing my sister from Virginia and her husband are visiting with their kids. Okay, fine, but that's uh, how it started. I will return to this in a minute. But first, I want to give you as quickly as possible the meaning the role that Boston has played in American journalism and why it has been named by the largest group of journalists in America the birthplace of American journalism first of all uh, the first three and five of the first seven American newspapers were published here it is a huge accomplishment people were literate were interested in public life and they went out of their way to publicize. So that was uh, the first major uh, development. Second, uh, as time was progressing, another major accomplishment of Boston journalism was the, the uh, reporting that the Boston Post did. The Boston Post was the major Boston newspaper uh, until the 1950s. It was bigger than the globe. It had at some point a circulation of 600,000. It was an extremely successful newspaper. and It was the first one to expose our good friend Charles Ponzi, for which they won the Pulitzer. And uh, so that is another accomplishment of Boston journalists. Uh, then we have the accomplishments of the Boston Gazette, who, first of all, in uh, 1812, coined the word gerrymandering? Their editor did this, and uh, this is a cartoon that started it all. All these, by the way, when we're done, you can pass them around. They're hard, uh, they're on um, cardboard, so you, they, nothing can happen. And these are all in, this, in the collections of the of the FNL. So uh, gerrymandering, that was because of, it was named because the governor who rearranged the, uh, the voting districts, his name was Gary, Governor Gary. So we should be pronouncing this gerrymandering, but it's now too late, everybody calls it gerrymandering. <laughs> so Governor Gary and his friends in the Senate Divided, when the editor saw the map, said, well, this looks like a salamander. In fact, it looks like a gerrymander. Yeah. So that's how we arrived at this. And uh, then we have the Globe that printed the first uh, uh, full-page ad. And the first uh, article that was distributed via telephone. In 1877, that was by uh, Alexander Graham Bell, who called the reporter of the globe to report on his experiments. Uh, the Liberator, of course, a, a hugely important abolitionist newspaper, was published in this town. Uh, the Boston Daily Mail, which employed whose reporter, uh, Daniel J. Daniel Craig, uh, used to go by carriage to Halifax, to receive the European newspapers first as they came from Europe. And uh, wrote in very small letters uh, the summary of the stories from Europe and tied them to the leg of pigeons and the pigeons came here hours ahead of the competition. So yes, that was the um, Boston Daily Mail. And uh, yes, that was uh, in 1847. Of course, he was copied by Julius Paul Reuter of Reuter's news agency. Two years later, when he connected via pigeons, the Aachen-Brussels group of the banks who did not have information because there was no wire service between Brussels and Aachen. So he got stock quotes not news, stock quotes from Aachen to Brussels and vice versa via pigeons. And then he became of course notorious, the bird, the dove became the, uh, the, the, the symbol of the of the wire service, etc., etc. So that was what happened after the Boston Daily Mail. Uh, then uh, the, the journalists of Boston were very active and very loud. And uh, out of the 14 uh, people who were journalists who were sued and indicted the 1798 Sedition Act, five of them were from Boston. That's the largest group on any one single city in America. And then I need to point out that women journalists in Boston played a huge role in the life of journalism. For example, the uh, Women's Journal was the first nationally circulated newspaper, an international circulated newspaper, uh, written by and uh, addressing women's issues. And uh, in, in fact, uh, that was between 1870 and 1931. Women's Journal. One of its editors was uh, Julia Ward Howe. How do we know Julia? Do
0: we?
1: The what? The what? The Battle Hymn of the Republic, so Julia Ward Howe, totally unsuspecting time, there it is. Then we have the the best, the first uh, woman editor, was in Boston, the first woman magazine editor, the the first uh, woman uh, editor of a major daily in America was Cornelia uh, Wells Walter, of the, of the Boston Evening Transcript, whose building is still here on Washington Street. May, Mary Baker Eddy was the first American publisher of a woman. Um, the uh, Maria Stewart, the first African American woman reporter of a newspaper, she worked for the Liberator. And um, the uh, and Josephine Saint Pierre Ruffin who was the editor of Woman's Era. She's the first African-American magazine editor. Her house and her shop were on Charles Street. It's still marked with with her name. Uh, And then we have the famous WASN radio station that was categorized from Park Church and it is where (coughs) the Shepherd Department Store started a radio station and uh, they thought women would be better sellers than men, so the radio station was staffed only by women, and they were selling what Shepherd's Department Store was selling. So that was in uh, in, uh, uh, 1922 or something like that, Uh, and then uh, that was WASN. Uh, And the most recent discovery that I have made, again, that contributes to this idea that this city is legendary when it comes to journalism. I discovered two years ago that the um, Pledge of Allegiance, which we all know, was composed by a Boston journalist. Uh, That was in 1892 by Francis Bellamy, one of the editors of the Youth's Companion, which is Columbus Avenue, the building is still there. And he was asked to write, because he was good with words, he was asked to write uh, something inspiring uh, to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Columbus discovery of America. So he comes up with these sentences that we still recite today. He even had, Francis Bellamy, he even had a salute which unfortunately was like this. Uh. <laughs> that did not go over well. So soon, they changed it to uh, put your hand over your heart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are pictures of, of uh, elementary school children saluting the flag oh. like that. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So and uh, we also have uh, the city is very ethnic, and we have the first foreign language. Uh, newspaper in America was the Courier de Boston and uh, which was 1789 right here in our fair city. We also had the first Methodist Episcopal newspaper in Boston, Zion's Herald, 1823. The first Roman Catholic newspaper, The Pilot, still going strong, 1829. The first Greek American newspaper, uh, New World. And the first English language Jewish newspaper, the Jewish advocate, which is still going strong. This is a summary of what Boston has meant in the life of American journalism. So for me, it was irresistible. I had to do something. So I slowly started putting the stuff together. We had this interactive map, which is online. You can all find and play with it. Uh, with, it with every um, uh, square here, there is a picture of, of the newspaper in question. And then a picture of what's there today and what are some of the major accomplishments of the paper. So, every every one of these squares has that. So, uh, as I said, the whole thing started with our good friend Ben Harris, the London pamphleteer who came here and uh, started uh, the public occurrences. And if you notice what I gave you, public is spelled with a CK. Uh, Ben was, the more I read about him, the more respect I have for him, although he was, when he was in London, yes, he took chances that were unwise, but he had, when he put on paper his creed about what he believed in as a publisher, that is astonishing. We're talking 1690, and he promised that we will print only news that we can verify. What? <laughs> yes. We did not speak of fake news or anything. And we will only rely on people who we know to be trustworthy. We'll try to end the lying that is part of our public discourse, he said. We'll never print anything except what we believe to be the truth. This is that he's making promises like that. Okay. If we make a mistake, we'll correct it in the next issue. These are principles by which we go today. We'll print monthly, once a month, unless there's a plethora of news then we'll come out more frequently. And we promise not to ignore—I am not sure what that meant—but to not to ignore memorable occurrences of divine prominence. Okay, that was what he believed in. And here is an astonishing part. This is all, by the way. Here you have all that here. Please note that the first news item, the the first three four paragraphs in italics, are the creed I just read. Then the news start. At the time there were no headlines. They're separated by some white space. The first news item is and what are the odds of this? That the Christianized Indians in some parts of Plymouth have recently appointed a day of Thanksgiving. What are the odds that the first news story on the first page of the first American newspaper would be about Thanksgiving? Mind boggling. And then he covered uh, diseases. People were dying in town, smallpox or whatever. Fires in our town. Uh, he covered the suicide of a Watertown farmer, who was depressed because his wife, his wife had just died. And uh, expeditions in other parts of the world from. Uh, Bostonians, New Yorkers, or whatever else. So the paper was not unlike, included stories not unlike what we have today. Bad news, okay, primarily. Not good news. And what got him in trouble was with the Brits that eventually, as I said, closed him down four for days later was that uh, he said that the King of France is in trouble because he, the rumor is that he has been sleeping with his son's wife. So the British thought that this could cause trouble between England and France, and that propelled them to close him down. So that is the, the story of the first newspaper. But it's all here, you can still read, read a, a lot of pieces and uh, again, there is some wars, expeditions, etc., etc. So that's our, 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 our guy, uh, Ben Harris. Then we'll take a brief look at the major uh, publications. As I said, the first one we covered already is the, the public occurrences. Um then uh, we go to another major uh, newspaper, which, as you note, under its headline, it says, under its nameplate, it says, Published with Authority. That means we have a license to publish this. And that was the Boston Newsletter. That was around for many years. It took 14 years from Ben Harris newspaper for this to start from 69 to 1704 but this lasted because it had the approval of those in power. It lasted for 70 some years and it is, uh, it was published Hormasis is today. Uh, Then we have a, a very important uh, newspaper in the life of Boston, the Boston Gazette. The Gazette, in addition to the uh, g- gerry- gerrymandering, also published an account of the Boston Massacre. I have that here. The Boston Massacre, uh, this is page two. Because it included deaths of people, there are black borders. And Paul Revere drew the four caskets here in black with the initials of the people who had been killed at the massacre. This is here, by the way. You can The original is here as well. So it starts by saying, many people have asked us, again, no headlines. Okay? Many people have asked us, what happened? So we'll try our best to give you Uh, what we know to be the truth so these guys were walking around and these Brits were there, somebody touched or said something to the British guy, he took on his gun and started shooting and said all that is expressed here in these it starts here and here are the names, I have some red dots the names of the people who were killed and then we go to to the casket so that is the Boston Gazette, a hugely important newspaper in the life of America and in the life of journalism. Um, then the New England Courant, which was a newspaper published by the Franklin Brothers. The uh, Courant was published where the new uh, T station is at City Hall. That's where it is. Uh, And I'll find it here. Yeah, there it is, okay. So, uh, James Franklin, who was the original publisher was drunk half the time, uh, but Ben was working for him and uh, he used to put the paper out when his brother was in jail. The uh, the wisdom of Ben was, in that he liked to write, and he before too long uh, started writing a column entitled uh, "It's an Epistle," he says, and it is uh, uh, written by a middle-aged widower, widowed widow in in Boston, named. Silence, do good. So 16-year-old Ben Franklin is impersonating a middle-aged widow in Boston and complains about Boston drunks, complains about the elite of Harvard students whose parents are paying a lot of money to send their kids to this elite place without taking into consideration if these kids have the brains to go. And he called them, what did he call them at some point? Yeah, he called them um, Dances and Blockheads. (laughs) He never bothered, the parents never bothered to check their kids and they sent them there because uh, they called them uh, the famous place, this famous place. And uh, okay, the Temple of Learning. And he made fun of that. He also, said that women should be educated and he could not figure out why they were not allowed to. Just what what is society afraid of? Um, He complained about the hoop petticoats uh, women were wearing at the time. He said they looked like uh, engines of war (laughs) rather than ornaments of the fair sex. He spoke very eloquently about freedom of thought. And uh, he was adamant and very eloquent about uh, the importance of being able to speak your mind. So he was faithful throughout his life to this. So that is the uh, New England Courant. Now, the New England Courant, however, had um, a minor problem. When vaccinations against uh, smallpox were started, the two brothers, although some of the major uh, pastors in town, the Mother Brothers, for example, were in favor of vaccination, uh, the two brothers and the Boston Courant uh, campaigned against it. So I'm sorry to tell you that the first journalistic campaign in America was not for a progressive cause, but it was against vaccinations. Uh, Eventually, they changed their mind when famous doctors, especially Dr. Zebedil Boylston, for whom we have a street name close by. He vaccinated his son and succeeded, then slowly the newspaper and Bostonians view of vaccinations uh, changed. But that was the only uh, Downside to the to the current, and uh, but other than that, it was uh, an outstanding publication. And the Franklin, the Ben Franklin writings are hysterical. They silence the good papers. It's just unbelievable. Uh, then we have uh, an interesting publication that is very well known all over America, and that is the. Uh, the Massachusetts Spy. The Massachusetts Spy is, yeah. This is the, uh, the edition that preceded the regular edition. Okay, and the thing that is amazing, that's how, the, the guy who put it out is Isaiah Thomas, who plays guard for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy he started the antiquarian society and uh, I relied on his books he wrote his history of uh, printing in America he's fabulous but he was also an entrepreneur so he starts a newspaper and in 1770 and he says he has his own creed about this what I will do etc etc but he distributed the first copy before the official paper free of charge What a smart guy. He said, we will deliver your paper to your home. Starting next week or whenever. But here it is. I have put red marks to... This is uh, issue one, volume one. And it says that this is gratis. Okay? And uh, we're hoping that you will support us, he says. But that's the story of the Massachusetts spy. And the title, I don't have one of those. It's very difficult to find one with his title. I have some, I have bought uh, many newspapers for my classes, but this one, the mass head of this, is done by Paul Revere. And to find one of these is very difficult these days. And the cartoon Join or Die was done by uh, Ben Franklin in Philadelphia after he got fed up with his brother and left. He went to Philadelphia, married a printer's daughter, inherited the print shop and started doing the, the Pennsylvania Gazette, a fabulous newspaper. And he he did this cartoon. So this is reprinted uh, here. And uh, the, the uh, spies' offices were where today is the uh, the uh, Union Oyster House on the second floor. And if you go there, you will see they yeah, have paintings of uh, of him, of um, Isaiah Thomas working with his people. So it's still uh, pretty much uh, all there. But then as the bridge surrounded the town, he took his printing machine on a carriage and moved to Worcester where he published another 30 years. Yes, uh, then we have the, um, as I said, the uh, transcript which was um, uh, edited for five, six years by um, Cornelia Wells Walters, and again the building is right here. You can still see the the sign of the building, the uh, name of the building. And uh, T.S. Eliot wrote this short poem about the Boston Evening Transcript. And then we talked about the Post a little bit. Uh, the Post became very successful when Grozier, Edwin Grozier and his son came here from New York. They were working for Pulitzer. And uh, he was a very uh, entrepreneurial guy. Edwin was. So he, in a, to create, I, don't, I forget that that Pulitzer was in all sorts of gimmicks to create readership, et cetera, et cetera. So he created the famous the tradition, the legend now, of the Boston Post cane, walking cane, which was given to every city in the Commonwealth and of certain size, I forget uh, what it was, but Uh, and is still around today. The cane was to to be given by city council to the oldest person in the city and was to be passed on to the next after this person died, etc., etc. So there are still cities today in in, uh, Massachusetts that have their Boston canes, Boston Post canes, and are being passed around. The one in Watertown had been lost and was found by some tourists from Watertown in London. (laughs) They came back, they raised money, they bought it, and now they gave it back to the city where it is today. So yes, there's a strong tradition of the Boston Post Keynes. And uh, yes, so that's that. Then, The Liberator of course, this is yes, it is a hugely important newspaper because uh, William Lloyd Garrison, its publisher, was a very strong abolitionist, and his first editorial was the one that said, I will not be silenced, I will be heard. He wrote with capital letters. He was uh, somebody to admire In uh, at that time. He was almost lynched a time or two, but uh, he survived, and he is a legend. Um, Here is a post. Uh, The Woman's Journal. The Woman's Journal was published next to Park's uh, church. So this is where it is. This is a copy of the paper. And this is the place where it was published. And uh, I guess I said one of its centers was um, Julia Ward Howe. Uh, The Boston Herald which was uh, on Washington and behind it, or actually next to it was, I don't know if you recall when you walk there, there is something called Pi Alley, P-I. Sometimes spelled P-I-E. The Pi refers to a type, the metal type, that is jumbled up and cannot be used again. So the printers from the Herald used to throw it in the alley. So it became pie Alley. And uh, this is where also the newspaper boys of the Boston Herald were gathered every night, early in the morning to get the papers. And the restaurants of the area used to give them the leftovers of pies of the night before. So it became PIE. Nevertheless, it's still there. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, in the alley was a restaurant owned by the first uh, Boston, uh, La- um, not loud La- what you call the people who give the news? With, um, Town, Cry. Town Cry. And the name of the restaurant was called uh, Bell in Hand. Bell Hand is still alive, but is now across from the Union Oyster House. And I recently found out, that's why it's, it's amazing to be here, that for in 1919, 1920, 21, it had been bought by year good friend of mine, one Carlo Ponzi. <laughs> and he was uh, taking customers through there and taking them to his office, which was on School Street parallel to the alley. So anyway, uh, uh, eventually, yes. I don't know who bought it from him, but uh, it was quite uh, quite a story. That bell in hand is still around. They say the oldest tavern. A lot of lawyers and writers from the era uh, used to go there. Uh, the uh, Let's see, the Boston, yeah. These are some other papers. That here is the, uh, the uh, all-shopping network, which is, <laughs> this is the all-women's radio station. This building is, is across from the T-stop, which is still there, the T-stop, the Park Street T-stop, across Tremont is this building, it's still there, and you can see it, that's it, on the right. And this is where the, uh, the women did their selling. Yes. And of course, the Atlantic Monthly uh, is a major institution. Um, the, uh, the Corner Bookstore was also where the Atlantic was at some point edited. Uh, here are some of the ethnic newspapers. Uh, that is the uh, this is the Methodist Episcopal newspaper. I think we passed the. Uh, the uh, what's the other one that we saw already here? Yeah, The Advocate. Uh, yes, we passed that. So, uh, and that is uh, some of the major names uh, of the. And the, uh, this is the first daily. But it's not the one that had the pigeons that came later, uh, and uh, the Boston Daily Mail. That's the one that had the uh, the, the pigeons. Uh, Which one? Uh, yeah, that that is not the reason I'm using that. No, the the. Uh, the, re- the reason I'm using this particular uh, section of photographs is because if you look carefully on top of that, it says, and you can see it better on the side, it says that uh, this is the uh, the customs house which was part of the identification that the paper gave about itself. So that's where it was. And I put the arrow to show that that's where it was, but the paper, the paper had nothing to do with the massacre other than uh, this illustration. Uh, the um, the, uh, the paper, as you see, was not much. It became all advertisements, you see, on the front page. But uh, it was the first daily in Boston, okay. And uh, here is the one with the um, with the pigeons. Uh, The Boston Courier was the one that uh, uh, business conservative paper that had even uh, stock prices and it was very reminiscent of what today would be calling the uh, Wall Street Journal. And um, uh, then uh, we have outside of the map, we have the uh, Uh, the youth's companion, which is the uh, one that had the Pledge of Allegiance. So, uh, okay, here is Maggie Baker's Christian Science Monitor. The first uh, woman magazine editor, Sarah Hale. Here is a picture of Maria Stewart, first African-American woman journalist who worked for William Lloyd Garrison for the Liberator. Uh, here is uh, Josephine Pierre Ruffin, uh, the publisher of Woman Zero. She married the first African-American uh, Harvard Law graduate. And that's her house today that is marked. That's on Charles, yeah. Uh, now, here is my latest big discovery. The Youth's Companion. Okay, fine, it's a youth a magazine, etc., etc. And then, the uh, the editor asks uh, Francis Bellamy to put some together, and this is what he wrote. This is at the University of Rochester Library, the original. So, this is what he wrote that platter is to my flag. Unbelievable. And here is the famous Bellamy salute. Yes. They say, come on. Yes. And that's its building. Sometimes it's called the Companions uh, Building on Columbus Avenue. It's still there. Then we have, I said, the first four-line newspaper in America, that is, we have copies of that here, uh, Courier de Boston, and uh, the only bilingual uh, paragraph was this one here. And the first Greek-American newspaper called New World, or Neos Cosmos. the bad news is I have not been able to find it. So I have been talking to old Greeks of the area to see if there is anything in an attic. I have checked libraries everywhere, including the Patriarchate in Constantinople to see if there is anything there. But I have, but several historians describe it. And I have found a lot about its publisher, but a copy of the paper I haven't been able to find. So that is basically the the pilot, the Jewish advocate. Yes, and um, Right. Thank you for coming.